Hello, welcome to episode 18 of the Courtside Podcast, an NBA podcast. This episode is brought to you by YouTube channels Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo, who make content on YouTube weekly. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode here on the Courtside. And as you know, we kind of went off our schedule last week, missing Monday and Friday last week. We had an episode Saturday. If you missed it, I suggest to look at it just before this episode. However, it is Monday yet again, and again, we have a huge anticipated game for the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. And of course, I am talking about Game 4 after Saturday's loss for the Boston Celtics, as the Miami Heat got a game on the road in TD Garden, 109-103 to 103 over the Boston Celtics, in large part to a lot of the people that we haven't been seeing from the Heat's roster that has stepped up in this series, they finally showed up, including Bam and Abayo, who basically was out there for 41 and a half minutes, putting out a double-double, getting 31 points and 10 rebounds off of almost 70% shooting from the field. And of course, if everyone's been following Bam and Abayo throughout these playoffs, he's been probably the most accurate player for that Miami Heat roster. And then the Boston Celtics, down 26 in that first quarter against somewhat of this narrative where the Boston Celtics, they lose one quarter in a game and then they dominate throughout the entire way and they always come up short. And so far, that seems to be kind of the story of the Miami Heat's wins in this series. Obviously, game one, you have that first quarter. No, my apologies, that third quarter where they get like a historical like 39 points compared to Boston's 14 where Boston couldn't even buy a basket starting the second half of game one. And then you have this game in TD where the Miami Heat ended up going off again 39 points in this first quarter and Boston scoring 18. And Boston actually almost had the comeback of a lifetime. It was would, it would almost like a freaking, you know, like one of those Spanish uh, Telemundo, you know, uh, I, I forgot the word of like the, whatever the word is, it was a drama factor watching this game as the Boston Celtics try to scratch themselves back into it as they outscored the Heat in the second quarter by six. And then in the third quarter, it was all even back and forth. And then Jalen Brown, who actually went off with 40 points in this game and only one point, one rebound away from a double-double. However, JB... Got himself 40 points. Celtics were about a point away from taking over this game and completing the 26-point deficit comeback. However, turnovers, always a part of the issue of this Boston Celtics team. The only team to beat the Celtics is the Celtics. They ended up getting 19 turnovers, which is actually a Miami Heat franchise high. And a big turn of that, actually, besides the fact that it was Boston Celtics who were conflicting themselves, passing it away, and just forcing themselves to even get to the basket... Victor Oladipo stepped up huge amounts of times in this game whenever the Celtics try to push through. Either that was when they went back and forth with a nine-point deficit against the Heat. I mean, Victor Oladipo was right there in Jason Tame's face and probably the X factor for this Boston Celtics team that was not showing up. I mean, he ended up having 10 points in this one. And worst of it, shot 21.4% from the field. I mean, from three, he was one in seven. You're not winning any games if anybody, I don't even care if you're a superstar, all-star, second year, first year, you're not winning any games if somebody's out there for 40 minutes giving you only 21 to 22% of production offensively and being efficient. So obviously, Celtics were having a lot of issues at the beginning. They 
try to climb back, but those turnovers kept Miami in the game. And so far we've seen this series is that people have the Celtics still as a favorite, but, I mean, they have to finish. So Miami right now is up 2-1, and we're going to go into that right now. However, I do want you to let know later on in this podcast, we're going to go into Andrew Wiggins and what we're going to make of his career. I mean, is this the peak we're seeing right now from Andrew Wiggins and his Golden State team? I mean, especially with them being up 3-0 over the Mavericks. But before we go into that, let's go into the keys right now from that game three that we just saw on Saturday. And then, of course, what to expect later on 8-30 Monday for this game four in Boston. Now, as I said before, Bam and Abayo, huge piece in the team's victory over the Boston Celtics. No doubt in my mind, was this the best game from Bam and Abayo? Is this the best game he comes out from this series? Only time will tell. However, Bam and Abayo with 31 points in this one. P.J. Tucker following suit, 17 points. Max Struess, 16 points. And when they needed them, I mean, the Celtics, for some reason, were playing somewhat of a zone where Al Horford or Danny Tice would have to drop in to actually help out with a paint, which left P.J. open and sometimes Struess open coming off of the wings. And they got a lot of great threes out of that, specifically P.J. Tucker in this one, 50% from three. Max Drews, 57.1%. And when you're going above 50% from any type of category, you're pretty efficient. So Max Drews and P.J. Tucker were right there with them. Kyle Lowry is back. Still, I have to say, not really the best player for this Miami Heat squad in this postseason. Ends up going with 11 points, almost basically 29 minutes in this game. 11 points, went 4-11 from the field. And really, the only big thing I can see from Kyle Lowry in this game was that he had four steals, including one where it was a pass in for the Boston Celtics in the last remaining seconds, which kind of sealed the game. I mean, besides that, Kyle Lowry, offensively, I thought, especially when he went to sign with this Miami team, I thought his efficiency offensively would actually be a huge part deep in the playoffs. We haven't really seen that much from him yet. And who knows if it's ever going to be coming to us soon, hopefully now than later. However, of course, Victor Oladipo, as said before, did pretty damn well defensively. He had himself as well. Four steals. Three players in the Miami Heat, Kyle Lowry, Oladipo, and Bam, all having four steals of their own. And, of course, as I said before, great defensively, but offensively, Victor had five, right? Tyler Hero had eight, right? Gabe Vincent, three. Martin, eight. Duncan Robinson, only two. You're not getting a lot of production from your bench there. And I understand that if you're going to tell me that, hey, maybe they don't play a lot of their bench. Four guys on the Miami Heat squad came off the bench and gave you double digit of minutes. I mean, the only players that even gave you less than 10 minutes of play, Duncan Robinson and Dwayne Dedman. Right? Because obviously, bam, it's going to be taking a lot, majority of the minutes away from Dedman and Duncan Robinson. I mean, you got to fluctuate with Eric Spolstra and how he tries to maneuver Max Drews, Tyler Hero, and all those other cats that are going in there. However, this Miami team was inefficient after that first quarter. No doubt in my mind. And that's kind of the keys where I'm going to right now for game four. The Boston Celtics are down 2-1 in this series. The Miami leads it. And Miami, throughout this entire series, has only won and outscored the Boston Celtics two quarters. And I hate using that narrative because at the end of the day, I think Eric Spolster said it best. It's all about the final score when the buzzer goes silent for the last time. What is the score at the end of the day? Now, Boston had a chance in game three to come back. Turnovers was the obvious reason for the they couldn't even like keep up with a run. 
and kept Miami alive in this one. Obviously, as you as I told you, the numbers, majority of these players had steals, and a lot of them self-inflicted from the Boston Celtics, from turnovers. So what does Boston need to do? Control the ball. That's it. Control the ball. They have to control the ball when they're driving in. Don't drive into two guys because you're not going to get those calls at all in Game 4 like they did in Game 3. Jason Tatum has to do better than he than I can imagine he does from Game 3. I mean, no matter what he does today, I feel like he'll be better than what he did in Game 3. Almost shooting 22% from the field. Jason Tatum does not average 10 points a game. Guaranteed. So Tatum obviously has to step up in this game. I like the idea that Marcus Smart comes back from this one with a whole injury and everything like that. And mind you, actually, I have to just get off the track right now from Game 4 and just still talk about Game 3. I mean, what was going on with the injuries in this series? I mean, we're talking about Marcus Smart goes up for a rebound. And I believe Kyle Lowry is on the floor. And Marcus's leg or his foot or whatever gets caught under Lowry. And it's like a grown man's... Having all that energy on his ankle twisted, it looked disgusting. And Marcus had to be helped off the court. Then he comes, you know, jogging back over to the Celtics bench and actually played some minutes, Pat, despite his injury, which got the crowd roaring. And then Jason Tatum looked like he had like an issue with his shoulder. Now he's probable apparently for game four, but apparently came right back. No issues besides, of course, shooting pretty damn poorly. But I mean, no issues coming back. And then, I mean, I believe Jimmy Butler... Beginning of the second half, didn't even show up due to, like, a knee intusion, which is crazy because, like, you know, I don't know if how many players have dealt with this throughout the playoffs, but a lot of issues with the knees. I mean, from Jimmy Butler, I think Joel had an issue, and we had a couple other guys in other series have an issue with the knees. John Moran had an issue with the knee that, you know, defensively sidelined him for the rest of the playoffs and really Memphis as well. But, my goodness, in this Eastern Conference Finals alone, we've been through three games. And I have to say, every single starter for both sides, and maybe every single starter for both sides besides the Boston Celtics with uh, Jalen Brown, has gone through some sort of injury. Either that it's something that means them questionable, something that has taken them away from a single game. But the injuries have been a huge part in this game. For this series. I'm mean, look at game three. Robert Williams was not for the Boston Celtics in this game for game three. And who knows? If Williams is in that game three, does Bam have 31 points? Does Bam control the paint like he did? So there's a lot of question marks right now. And I hate to say Axtrophis or anything like that because I don't think there's any excuse for the Boston Celtics nor the Miami Heat, no matter what injuries there are. That's just a part of the game. And let alone the storyline of what it is to be deep in the playoffs. But man, let me tell you. I pray that whoever makes it out of the Eastern Conference Finals at least has a healthy roster coming up because this has been two of the most aggressive teams in the NBA. It's been a bloodbath battle, but, I mean, only time will tell who will come out of this series. And now going back to Game 4, as I said before, Jason Tatum has to do much better offensively. You can't get 10 points again like that. You got to control the ball better. Don't just force it inside on two people. And the last thing for the Boston Celtics, they need to be aggressive from the jump. The Miami Heat so far, as I said before, only winning off two quarters throughout this series, has made it to a point where two quarters is enough. Two quarters is enough to give you a 2-1 lead. So the Boston Celtics need to realize, hey, 
if we put our foot on the gas, we can't go any much further. And then the end, because if we stop at one little gas station, Miami's going to take the engine. Guarantee. Take the sails out the ship. The Miami Heat just need one quarter to finish a game, and that's scary for the Boston Celtics, who, as I said before, shoot themselves in the foot a lot. So if you're the Boston Celtics, again, the three top things you need to get done with, you got to make sure Tatum gets his shots in. Tatum's got to be efficient, does that on his own part. Control the ball, handle it well, don't just go through two guys. And then, of course, put the foot on the gas. And so Boston will end up playing game four at home against the Miami Heat and hope to tie the series to a piece at 8.30 later on tonight on ESPN, being Monday, the 23rd of May. And the Miami Heat as well, trying to get a 3-1 lead and trying to do a repeat from what we've seen in the 2020 bubble. So going off from that, now we get to the segment where I just got to talk about it. Andrew Wiggins has been looking on fire throughout this entire postseason, throughout the entire regular season. Averaged 18 points going to All-Star break, got his first ever All-Star selection. And now he's posterizing Luka Doncic in Dallas. I mean, is this the best we've ever seen Andrew Wiggins? And let alone, will this be the peak of Andrew Wiggins that we expect from him? Now... When Andrew came to the Golden State Warriors, right, he comes off away from Minnesota, obviously Minnesota, wholly different franchise, different mentality that they have in that franchise, in that state than what Golden State has. Andrew Wiggins came to a situation where you got Steve Kerr, champion caliber guy, player, as well as coach from his time with the 90 Bulls and as well now with the recent success with the Golden State Warriors, players around him. Golden State has Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Minnesota, Carthy Towns. You can find another name somewhere, I'm pretty sure, but that doesn't going to beat the fact that past Carthy Towns, you're not getting any better. And Carthy Towns doesn't even recruit over there in Minnesota. Hopefully something else happens with Anthony Edwards over there. But besides the point, Andrew Wiggins is in the best environment that he'll ever be in his career. And I pray that he stays in Golden State more than just a couple of years. Hopefully this comes to be a whole five, six-year type of deal with Andrew Wiggins where he gets an extension with them or something like that. But this is the best scenario for Andrew Wiggins to, to contribute to his game. Because not only is he getting himself involved with the Golden State Warriors and Steve Kerr, who is an offensive mastermind that puts him in great positions to be successful, but their defense... Draymond Green, I feel like, has his arms under the wing of Andrew Wiggins, and that's a huge part of the reason why we're seeing Andrew Wiggins be more physical. Andrew Wiggins wasn't the type of guy that would automatically attack the basket in the beginning of his career. They had to develop that, like majority of the players do. But the way he's doing that now with Golden State, and the way that he's defensively like a tick on guys, I mean, he has been aggressive. His shot's gone better. I mean, I, I mean, as I said before, first-time All-Star this year, it, it might not be his only year being an All-Star. So in reality, I mean, this Andrew Wiggins is here to stay for a while. I do not believe this is Andrew Wiggins' peak. Now, if you're wondering why I'm rambling so much about Andrew Wiggins and the success he's having, Game 3, which was Sunday, yesterday, the Golden State Warriors went to Dallas and beat them by 9 points, with Golden State winning 109-100 to over Dallas Mavericks. And Luka Doncic in that game, still phenomenal as it is, 40 points and 11 rebounds in this one, get a double-double. But that wasn't even the headline. Andrew Wiggins, almost 40 minutes in this game, got himself 27 points, 11 rebounds, a double-double as well. And again, 
accurate as can be, 55% overall from the field. Not much of three, but 55% from the field, majority of it inside. He posterizes Luka Doncic, and that is the headline of the game. Golden State goes up 3-0. Andrew Wiggins gets a highlight reel in Dallas. I mean, there's nothing else you can take away from this game besides the fact that Dallas kept it close and Luka played a great game. But no one's going to remember this game from Luka, unfortunately, just because the highlight of Andrew Wiggins so far has been all over my Twitter. I don't know about you guys, but it's been all over my Twitter, all over my IG. It's been everywhere. Right now, it's been everywhere. And the worst part about it, I have to go into that game as well to that series because if you haven't been keeping up, Dallas in Golden State, they lose that first game because they let it go in the second half, missed a lot of threes. Then game two comes along. Then Dallas has like a crazy good 17-point lead. And then Golden State blows up in the second half. Now it's, you go into Dallas and you lose this one by nine. And it's like, you know, Luka Doncic's 40 points. Brunson, 20 points. Spencer Dinwiddie off the bench, 26 points. The only issue is, where is the role players? Where are the guys that we expect from Dallas to put up numbers that are at least double-digit or at least something? I mean, besides Spencer Dinwiddie with 26 points off the bench, Bertans had two points. Everybody else on that bench scored zero points. Kleber, right, was 0-5 from three, 0-5 from the field, so all of his shots were past the arc, and he was on the court for almost... 24 to 25 minutes. What are you doing? You shouldn't be missing those shots. And speaking of missing shots, the craziest thing about it, Bullock, the starter at small forward position for Dallas, almost 40 minutes in this one, about two seconds away from 40 minutes, zero points, 0-10 from the field. And this includes an 0-7 shooting from three-point. And you look at this game and it's like, Man, he had the shots he wanted. Yeah, sure, Golden State is probably one of the best defensive teams out there right now in the NBA that's left. But damn it, Bullock has to get it done. And so far, as I said before, this Golden State defense, it's aggressive. It gets in your face. There's not a lot of defenses like that out there in the West that can match up with some of these Eastern Conference teams, especially the ones that are left in the Eastern Conference Finals with the Celtics and the Heat. The Golden State Warriors will most likely end up sweeping the Dallas Mavericks in this next game. And I don't see a reason why not. Bullock missing all his shots. Only got 26 points from Spencer Dinwiddie. And the only guy that's even giving you any sort of efficiency off the bench. And you're playing in Dallas? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And if you're also curious about the other guys out there in Golden State, besides Andrew Wiggins, who got 27, Thompson with 19, Curry with 31, Jordan Poole, 10 points, still 50% from the field. And the funniest thing about it, they only really needed an eight-man rotation to finish off Dallas. That was really it. They only needed an eight-man rotation to finish off Dallas. I mean, besides Toscano Anderson getting like five minutes in this game, they really only needed an eight-man rotation to finish off Dallas. It's insane. It really is insane. To see that, the Golden State, even with a fixed hand of about a handful of guys, that's all they need. They can beat the teams out there in the Western Conference Finals in Dallas with only five guys if they wanted to. 
That's how efficient they're playing. That's how their defense is set up. They are set up to win past the finals. As as weird as that sounds, it's like a track star who goes past the finish line when he goes, you know, the ending of his 100-meter race or whatever. He goes past the finish line because he knows if I slow down now, it's going to be over for me. And that's what I feel like Dallas is in right now. They're slowing down before the last 20 meters. You got Golden State going full sprint behind them. So right now, Golden State up 3-0 in their series. They play again, looking like to be on Tuesday late as a lot of these game schedules have been late, which I really do not understand unless you want to get everybody on the West Coast to see it at 5 o'clock. But in reality, it is what it is. It's just the scheduling. So the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat play in TD today, later on this Monday at 8.30, as well as the Dallas Mavericks coming to hopefully not get swept by Tuesday. And of course, that would end our episode today as we will end it off here and check back later on this Friday because by Friday we might have a couple of teams who are already out of the playoffs and maybe even a finals picture or maybe even the last minutes of it. We're not too positive. Heat in six, Celtics in six, maybe Heat in seven, Celtics in seven. We're not too positive on that, but we are probably positive that the Warriors will probably win out that series. I can't imagine Dallas taking it to six or whatever games, but stay tuned because we're going up to the finals real soon.